May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. And I want to give a special shout out today to everybody at our North Campus on their very first Sunday. So let's give them a hand. Woo! Way to go North Campus. I'm excited for you guys. That's right. And today we also kick off our brand new message series called Vows. Now, when Amy and I first got married, we just wanted a traditional wedding, you know, with traditional vows, you know, to have and to hold, you know, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. You know, we just wanted a traditional wedding. Well, the pastor that performed our wedding was a close personal friend of ours, uh, known him for more than 25 years, and I think because he was such a close friend, he just couldn't bear to do traditional vows. So he made up his own. And he didn't tell us beforehand that's what he was going to do. And so here's Amy and I, you know, we're at the altar before God and all of our friends, and this guy just starts saying these vows that we've never heard before. And so, you know, my eyes got real big, and and her eyes got real big, and we're just looking at each other going, what are we going to do? Well, I mean, I guess we better agree to them. I mean, because, you know, what are we going to say? Like, whoa, hey, I didn't sign up for any of that. You know, we're not going to do that. And and I'll be honest with you, to this day, Amy and I still have no idea what our vows were. Have no idea. And I think that that is a little bit of how all of us approach our wedding vows as well. Because here's the deal. When, you know, we got married, we were going to say these vows no matter what they were. It didn't really even matter what they were because a lot of us, we viewed those vows as an element in the ceremony to get us to the point where somebody was going to pronounce us husband and wife. Now, I do think that everybody hopes that they're going to make it until death do us part. But the reality is, less than half of us will. Less than half. Which is why this series is so important. Because in this series, we're going to talk about what it's going to take to get through difficult times in a marriage. How to really treasure and enjoy the good times. How to prevent an affair. And if there is an affair, how do we overcome it? We're going to talk about how do we, how do we get through difficulty and how do we, how do we handle disagreements with the other person in a way that honors God and doesn't cause a division between the two of us. Which brings us to our message today, how do we make it until death do us part? Because here's the truth, no one stands up on their wedding day and thinks, yeah, you know, we've got a good you know, three to five years ahead of us, you know, we'll probably both move on to someone else. I mean, nobody thinks that. Nobody says that. No, we all intend to make it until death do us part. But good intentions won't get us there. I mean, if they did, everybody would make it. And so thankfully, it's not just our intent to make marriage work. It's also God's intent to make marriage work. And I I know that some of you here today 
you, have, there's, you just have a lot of hurt in your marriage. And I know some of you today, although you're married, you feel like you're single. I know some of you are carrying around a, a lot of pain from a previous divorce. I understand all that. But here's what I'm saying to you, is that God can restore a lot of hope to your life starting today. God can bring a lot of healing to your life starting today. And starting today, God is going to give all of us some guidelines that will help us make it until death do us part. And here's the deal. If you will follow God's guidelines, I can guarantee you that you will make it until death do you part. Guaranteed. In fact, I'll say this. Even if only one of you would follow God's guidelines, you will probably make it until death do us part. And in the meantime, your marriage will become so much more uh, exciting and rewarding and fulfilling. And if you're single or you're a student, then if you will begin to adopt God's, God's guidelines into your life now and look for someone that's following those same guidelines, you will make it in your future marriage until death do us part. So that said, everybody go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's ask the question, what does God say it will take to make it till death do us part? Well, number one, God says this. He says that I need to remember that my marriage is a covenant, not a contract. I need to remember that my marriage is a covenant, not a contract. See, it all begins with the vows that we took on our wedding day. You know, and you might have had your vows done by a priest, or you might have had your vows done by a justice of the peace. You might have written your own vows. You might have done traditional vows. Or you, you might not even remember what your vows were, okay? But when you said your vows, you were entering into a covenant, not a contract. You see, most people approach their marriage like it's a contract, and a contract is essentially written where each party is trying to get the most out of the other party, and it's written in such a way that there's an anticipation of the contract one day being broken. That's what it, that's what it is. But here's the deal. That approach to marriage will never work. It never has. Because God didn't set up marriage to be a contract. God set up marriage to be a covenant. I want you to look what the prophet Malachi says. Now let me set this passage up for you, otherwise it's not going to make much sense. Um, the prophet Malachi, man, he is bringing the hammer to the people of Israel. And he's telling them that God no longer hears their prayers or accepts their offerings. Why? Well, let's read. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Circle those last two words. Marriage covenant. You see, God's never viewed your marriage as anything other than a covenant. And you can't either. 
Which begs the question, well, what is a covenant? Well, a covenant is simply this. Is it, it is an agreement, but this is your feeling. It is an agreement between two parties sealed by sacrifice made for life. It's an agreement between two parties sealed by sacrifice made for life. You see, uh, in the Bible, when people would make a covenant, they would sacrifice an animal, divide it into two equal halves, and then they would walk between the halves at, to seal their covenant. And the imagery is, is that may it be done to our enemies as it has been done to this animal. Okay? Now, in marriage, that does not mean that if you get crossways with your in-laws that God wants you to go cut them in half. Okay? <laughs> but... In a wedding ceremony, this is why half the crowd sits on one side of the room, the other half sits on the other, and the bride walks down the center aisle. That's where this imagery comes from, because she walks on the center aisle between the two halves, because she is making a covenant. And the covenant says that the husband and wife are going to join together to fight any enemies that would ever come against them in their marriage. That's what it says. Now, in the Bible, there's two kinds of covenants, okay? The first is called a parity covenant, and it's between two parties of equal strength. A parity covenant is between two parties of equal strength. The other is called a suzerain covenant, and it is between two parties of unequal strength. Now, a suzerain covenant was most often uh, between two kings, a king that would be very powerful and a king that was much weaker. And the more powerful king would pledge his protection, his aid, and his help to the weaker king. So there was an obligation there, okay? He was, the stronger king was known as the suzerain, and the weaker king was known as the vassal, okay? That's what a suzerain covenant is. Now, in the Bible, a marriage is a suzerain covenant, not a parody covenant. Now, guys, before you get the big head and think that, well, I must be the stronger party in the covenant, <laughs> You know, before you, get, you go down that train of thought, listen, you need to understand that the, the biblical view of marriage, the husband is not the stronger party. But neither is the wife. God is. God is the stronger party. You see, the covenant is not just between the husband and wife. The covenant really is between the couple and God. They represent the weaker side of the covenant, and God is the suzerain. He is the stronger party in the covenant. And so the idea is that the couple is committed to the marriage, and God is also committed to the marriage. But listen, because the husband and wife represent the weaker side of the covenant, that means that they must lean on God. They must depend on God, the stronger party, in order to make the covenant last against all of the enemies of marriage. Against financial strain. Against health issues. Against 
raising kids, raising teenagers, job changes, career changes, refinancing, um, being an empty nester, kids moving back home, <laughs> retiring, having to unretire, retiring, basically in any and every phase of life. And anything and everything that you might experience as a married couple, God says that as the weaker party, that you are to lean on him, and throughout your married lives, he would come to your rescue and aid and your protection, because that is his obligation as the stronger party in the covenant, and yours as the weaker party is to lean on him. See how that works? So now, do you see why it is so important that as a husband and wife, you each have a relationship with God that you're actively seeking and developing and trying to deepen? Because you all need to lean on God. You know, I mean, the world says that no, you just need to lean on each other. I mean, that sounds all romantic and like makes great movies, but it doesn't work. And it never has. Singles, students, that's why for you it is so important that you develop your own personal relationship with God and that when you're looking for a potential spouse, that you're looking for someone that is also an active, growing Christ follower. Because it is so much easier when it's the two of you that are actively leaning on God in order for your marriage to make it, till death do us part. Now, what if you're in a marriage where your spouse is not a Christ follower or isn't actively growing in Christ? Well, look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning of verse 12. It says, if a Christian man has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a Christian woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage. And the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. You see, the Bible says that even if only one of you is an active, growing Christ follower, then you bring a sense of holiness. You bring a sense of God's presence to your marriage. God will still bless you. He will still bless your marriage. He will still come to your rescue and aid, and aid because he is faithful to the covenants he makes no matter what. And, get this, you need to make sure that you are committed to Christ and you don't let your commitment falter because get this, you are the only one that is bringing God's presence and his blessing to your marriage and to your family. So stay strong. Don't give up. And I know that you long for your spouse to join with you in that commitment. But your family needs you to stay strong with Christ. 
Because you're the only one that is bringing that source of his presence and his blessing to your home, to your family, to your marriage. So make sure that you get around other Christ followers in your small group that can encourage you and that can help you grow. Stay committed to Christ no matter what because your family needs you. Okay, God says it's going to take a second thing to make it till death do us part. And that second thing is this. Is that I need to live by my commitments, not by emotions. I need to live by my commitments, not by my emotions. Let me talk for just a moment about one of the great mysteries of marriage. Look what the Bible says. In Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 6, this is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, But in the beginning, at the time of creation, God made them male and female, as the scripture says. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two will become one. So they are no longer two, but one. Underline that sentence. So they are no longer two, but one. No human being must separate then what God has joined together. You see, when a man and woman are married, God makes the two one. And when you get married, God weds your heart and your souls together. And then he seals that union with sex. You see, God created sex to seal that covenant bond between a man and a woman. And then every time after you're married that a husband and wife have sex, they reinforce that covenant bond between the two of them, and it brings them closer together. Okay? Let me illustrate that. No, no, no. (laughs) No. (sighs) Not that. Let me illustrate the power of God to make two people one and create that bond. Okay, that's what I want to illustrate. Okay, wow. Okay, I've glued two pieces of paper together, okay? One pink and uh, one blue, okay? I've glued these two pieces of paper together, okay? So they are now one, okay? Now watch what happens as I try to separate them. See, no matter what I do as I try to separate them, I cause damage to both pieces of paper. And get this, if that's the bond that Elmer's glue makes between two pieces of paper, imagine the bond God makes between a man and a woman. See, that's why divorce is so destructive. Because it separates what God never intended to be separated. That's why it's so incredibly damaging. See, you might be two separate people, but you don't have two separate souls. 
two separate lives, two separate hearts anymore. Because God has made them one. And that's why casual sex is so damaging. You know, it's portrayed by Hollywood as just fun. And it's just recreational. I mean, there's no consequence there. No, no. There's great consequence there. Because every time you have sex with someone, you leave part of your soul behind. Because God created sex to seal and to reinforce that union, that covenant between a husband and wife. Look, that's why you should live by your commitments, not by your emotions. Look, students, singles, that's why you need to be committed now to your future husband or your wife. And don't have sex with anyone until you're married. Not engaged, married. Be committed enough right now to your future husband or wife to stay pure for them so you can bring your very best to your marriage. You know, I have never talked to anyone that's waited that's regretted it. Never. And if you're currently married, live by your commitment to your marriage, not by your emotions. Okay, I mean, look, here's the deal. You're going to fall in and out of love with your spouse multiple times throughout your marriage. Okay? I mean, sometimes the emotional love is going to be there, and sometimes it's not. Well, so what? I mean, you can, no long, you can no longer promise that, I mean, you can no more promise that you will always feel love for your spouse than you can promise that you always feel happy or that you will never feel mad. You can't promise that. You can't expect that. But people in our society, man, they think, you know, well, I'm not in love anymore, so I, mean, I guess I just need to move on. Or, you know, I've fallen in love with someone else. I mean, it's as if just because you have that emotion that you are now compelled and you just have to act upon it. Well, you don't do that anywhere else in life. I mean, when you're out and you see some other kids and they're just model children, I mean, you don't, you don't think, well, God, I wish those were my kids. And you don't go up to that other couple and go, hey, you want to trade? You know, after seeing your kids, they probably wouldn't do it anyway. No. You don't always act on your emotions. You act on your commitments. And nowhere in the Bible does God expect you to act on your emotions. But God does expect you to act on your commitments. And the biggest of those commitments is to remain faithfully married, to honor your marriage covenant until death do us part. Now let me take a moment to just talk for a second to those of you that have been divorced, okay? Because I don't want you to think that just because you've been divorced, that means that God is through with you, or maybe because you've had a casual view of sex, that God cannot use you, and God cannot bless you, or that you've made so many mistakes that you can't recover. You see, no matter what is in your past, God can forgive you, and he can restore you. Because that's what makes him God. Don't underestimate his power. 
I'm not saying that there's no ramifications for your decisions, but I'm telling you, he can restore you and forgive you. And that starts by admitting to him what you've done wrong and then asking for his forgiveness and then committing to follow him from that day forward. And that's the whole idea of why God sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died on a cross so that his sacrifice would pay the price for your sin and for mine. And that if you would ask Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything that you've ever done wrong and then commit to following him from that day forward, then that's what makes you a Christ follower and that's what secures your place in heaven. So let me ask you, have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed a prayer asking Jesus to forgive you and then pledging your life to follow him from that day forward? If you have, then you already have his forgiveness. If you haven't, then there's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. It's at the very bottom of your message notes, right below the next steps. So if you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to pray it in just a few moments. But let me close with this. Look, whether you were married in a church or married by the justice of the peace, when you got married, you still entered into a marriage covenant. Whether you wrote your own vows or you, whether you did traditional vows or whether you even remember your vows, when you said them, you still entered into a marriage covenant. And so look, even if you didn't know you were entering into a, co- into a covenant, God did. He knew. And he is offering to help you in your marriage. But you have to lean on him. You have to develop your own personal relationship with him so you can lean on him to help you through every part of your marriage. And if you're single, if you're a student, you need to develop your own personal relationship with God so that you can learn how to lean on him so that when you become married, you can act appropriately in your marriage and have God's blessing on you for a lifetime until death do you part. And in all things, live by your commitments. Don't live by your emotions. That's how you make it till death do us part. And next week, we're going to talk about how God can pull you through when things are for better and when things are for worse. It's going to be great. So right now, I want everybody to take your connection card, and I want you to look on the back and begin to look at some next steps with me. So everybody right now, pull out your connection card. And maybe it's this first next step. I will view my marriage like it's a covenant, not a contract. Would that be you? This next one. I will live by my commitments, not my emotions. Would you make that commitment? Would you take that next step? Next. I will not approach sex casually, but remain pure if I'm not married and faithful if I am. Man, what a tremendous next step to take. Now, this next one is for married couples only, okay? 
I commit to reinforce my marital bond with my spouse this week. That's right, it means exactly what you think it does. That's right. And guys, aren't you glad you came to church? That's right, men all the place are like, click, click, ching. Now look, here's the deal. Guys, ladies, you're going to like this part of it. Guys, remember, Friday's Valentine's Day. Don't mess that up. This is your warning from God, all right? It's Friday. I can promise you, you will not be able to take this next step if you don't do something good on Friday for your spouse, okay? All right, next, next one. I will come back the next three weeks to hear more of the Vows series. Would you make a three-week investment in your marriage or in your future marriage and come back? Three more weeks. Next, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never become a Christ follower and you're ready to pray that prayer, I want you to check that box because I'm going to mail you some free stuff in the mail. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer literally here in like 30, 45 seconds. But two more next steps. Here's the next one. Sign me up to join a small group. If you've not joined a small group, they start this week. It's not too late to sign up. In your bulletin, there is the small group catalog. Write the code of the small group you want to join there, and your leader will get in touch with you, and you can be a part of a small group. Listen, we have more than 2,000 people that are already a part of a small group. So don't think that everybody's, well, nobody's done this. Well, no, everybody is a part of a small group pretty much. So be a part of a small group. Or the last one, sign my kids or teens up for a small group. And here we need to write the name of your child as well as the code of the group that they're going to join. And all the kids' small groups are on Wednesdays. So go to the Wednesday section of the catalog and you can find the codes that are written right there. But no matter what your next step is, I'm going to give you a chance right now to pray silently and do personal business with God. And if you're ready to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do that. So right now, I want everybody in the room, bow your head. And whatever next step or steps you've taken, I want you to pray silently and ask God to help you follow through and to bless your life because of it. So let's take a few moments to do that right now. Father, I want to say thank you for everybody that came to church today to hear what you have to say about marriage and then how you have always had in your heart a desire for us to make it until death do us part. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name that you would help every single one of us to do what, do what it takes in our covenant to rely on you and that you would help all of us even those that are single, those that are not yet married, those that are students, God, that you would help them to learn to lean hard into you, to learn how to rely on you, the stronger one in our covenant, and that you would help all of us, Father, to come back safely next week to hear more of what you want to say about how our vows affect our lives. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. 
You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.